Breaking news, locked on Jazz. Danny Ainge, named CEO and uh, alternate governor of the Utah Jazz. I'm David Locke. John Corrales uh, joins me. From a Jazz perspective, we'll dig into it more and more uh, from Locked on Jazz tomorrow. Obviously, major, major story is new ownership. Ryan Smith beginning to put his stamp on this franchise as it's going to be. Danny has had multiple jobs. He's one of the bright minds in the NBA. Uh, I have multiple conversations with I've had with him over the 30 years I've been in the business that are like, wow, memorable moments. Um, and those are the neat things about being in the business. Most recently, he was in Boston, and John Corrales uh, joins us now. And, and John, what's, what's the thought on Danny Ainge as the decision maker? He won a title. He hung one of those banners in Boston. What's your thoughts as, as what the Jazz have just gained as a decision maker here in this franchise? Well, I mean, I'm standing out here outside the Celtics practice facility and his decisions helped build this facility. You know, they, they uh, were aggressive from the start. And I think the first thing with Danny Ainge is that he's, he is aggressive. He, he had, I think there was a point there where he might've gotten scared straight a little bit after the pursuit of Jeff Winslow, but generally speaking, he's aggressive and he's realistic about, what the team has and what the team needs are. I think from a Jazz perspective, getting a fresh set of eyes to come in there and say like, hey, you know what? You might love player X, but he's actually a liability or he's actually not what you think he is. And he's not afraid to say those things. I mean, he'll admit to walking through the Celtics practice facility here and talking to guys and saying, hey, I'm about to go uh, scout your replacement. Keep guys on their toes and be honest with them about the business of the NBA. So, he, he's an aggressive guy, and I think in his role there, I don't think he's going to be the day-to-day guy. I think he's going to be the big idea man, and I think that's what he said he kind of wants. Like I don't think he's going to be in the middle of Central Europe like Brad Stevens just was trying to scout the, you know, the potential next star. I think he's going to be a, a more big idea guy, and he's going to have that influence to try and say, we're going to be a little bit more realistic about what's on this roster. There aren't a lot of people who've won a title, who've made the moves to win a title. What did that bring throughout the years that you had somebody in Boston who had won and had pulled those moves to win a title running the franchise? Well, I think, I mean, obviously that builds some level of trust, you know, with, with the fans to know that he, he was willing to do certain things. I mean, the first thing he did when he came in after the Rick Pitino era was to, to clean up that mess was trade Antoine Walker, which was a big move at the time. Building a building a winner, uh, you know, and I hate to say it, but especially in Boston, it carries a lot of extra weight. He, he's and, and he's won one here as a player, too. So he knows, he understands the culture, he understands what it takes to, to kind of go from that, hey, we're a good team, to, you know what, there's a certain something special to winning a championship. And it, as good as you think you might be to get to a certain point this is where you need to be to cross that you know how it is lots of teams are good the nba is full of good teams the nba doesn't have a lot of great teams that go on to win it all and with Ainge having seen what it takes the level of stardom that you need to carry a franchise both as a player and as an executive bringing in kevin garnett and understanding just how much KG changed the culture here and and how the team buying into the coach, and I don't think it's a problem in Utah, but the team buying into the coach, how important that is and the level of buy-in that you need. And like I said, the level of superstar that you need to to really carry a team to that next level. 
You don't have many guys with a 13-year NBA career, a four-year head coaching career, and then another, what uh, I believe it was, 18-year executive uh, run. I mean, that is, it, it, with it, in, and with the coaching and the executive as the same franchise, hard to ask you to run 18 years of moves as an executive. But when you look at the signatures of Danny Ainge moves, in Boston, you mentioned the Antoine Walker deal. What are the things that you run through when he took over in 2003? I, I think his first deal was he traded Darius Sangaya. So that's probably not one of the ones you're going to mention to me, John. But when you start to run through what he did as a GM, what are the moves that are signatures to you of what he did along the way? You know, one of the things that really stands out to me was a very little move that got uh, Tyler Zeller, Marcus Thornton, and a first-round pick from – it was a three-team deal between the Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets. And that was the deal that helped facilitate they – were, they, were they were the third team in, and they took spare parts from Brooklyn and from Cleveland to help facilitate the uh, LeBron James deal. That, that's the deal that opened up some space for LeBron to return to Cleveland. Then he turned around and flipped Thornton in that first round pick for Isaiah Thomas and got two years of the most magical basketball in Boston and, and helped turn the franchise around and give Brad Stevens a winner for a couple of years. I think that's the type of move. It, yes, I think a lot of, a lot of people in charge will, will know, okay, I got to make this big swing for if Carl Anthony Towns became available. Like everybody knows you got to go for Carl Anthony Towns. I think Ainge has that knack for seeing the two, three steps ahead. Okay, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to scan the league. We need to understand who's who's out there. Uh, call Daryl Morey and say, hey, we're not interested in Ben Simmons, but we've got this and this, and we've got this space or these tools to facilitate the third team. And, and don't worry about, hey, you might be helping the Clippers. You might be helping the Warriors. You Don't worry about that stuff. Worry about making your team better. And then you can figure it out from there. So I think I think that level of foresight is something that you're going to really get from Ainge. Let's go to his two signature moves that I would probably pick out. One is obviously the putting together the championship team um, with Garnett, with Ray Allen. How did that all come about in retrospect as a GM putting that together? Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, you had had Paul Pierce, who had uh, – had a reconciliation with Doc Rivers after a falling out. You know, you had that that really rough playoff series against the Indiana Pacers where Pierce came in with that stupid pre-tape bandage around his head, uh, basically acting like an idiot. And and he and Pierce and and Doc got together and, and they said, okay, we're we're gonna put this behind us and we're gonna build around you. We're gonna we're gonna go for this winner. So they had that attitude. So he he had that um I think that that attitude of like, all right, we 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 got this one guy. Now we need to make we need to be aggressive. And he scans the league and he sees Sam Presti in Seattle at that point with a a, a blow up rebuild in mind. He says, okay, yeah, sure, we'll take Ray Allen. We've got use for Ray Allen because that's going to be the deal that makes KG say, okay, I see what Boston is doing. And then Kevin Garnett tells the great story about Ainge going to him and selling him and doing this like amazing sell job that that got KG who at that point was was trying to get in touch with Kobe Bryant to potentially join the Lakers and got KG to buy into the Boston plan so that that's how all that came together he he just took advantage of the Seattle situation 
and, and what was happening there pre-move to Oklahoma City. He understood that Kevin Garnett was ready to make that move out of Minnesota, and things came together uh, at that point. And what was the second one, the deal for Brooklyn? The, the other one is the, the Kevin Garnett trade, uh, where you trade Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, and you end up getting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown out of the deal with yeah. a little situation. You get Markel Fultz, but then you pull the Jason Tatum. They're all part of one. You literally took your championship team, moved it to build now Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which is yeah. about as good two young pieces as any team has in this league. Yeah, you know, that th- those two moves. So, you know, again, it, it's just understanding your competition, understanding what's going on over there. And, you know, some of it is luck because Danny Ainge had uh, a deal in place with Brooklyn. And they'll tell the story over here in this building that Wick Grosbeck said, see if you can get one more pick. And and they, you know, Ainge was like, no, we're, we're good. This is a good deal. And his owner pushed and he went and he got that good deal. So he got that one extra pick. Understanding that Brooklyn was kind of in a desperate position. that At that point, it was Prokhorov who was the owner and he was just ready to come in. And and buy himself a championship, and it, it put the it put the Nets in a in a rough spot, and that's why there were no protections on those picks, and and he understood that. Look, I'm going to be super super aggressive in what we ask for, because I know that their owner is not going to be kind of skeptical of this deal. He's just going to say yes, yes, yes. This team was a couple of years removed from a championship, so we're going to get two championship type players, uh, and it's that it's a willingness to make the bold move. Paul Pierce, a guy who is identified as one of the faces of the franchise, uh, one of the pillars of this franchise's history, the second all-time leading scorer. I mean, here's a guy that should have gone the the Kobe route in some people's minds where the Lakers said, doesn't matter that you're on the decline. We're going to keep paying you anyway just to show people that we're – how much the culture means to us. Ainge was like, nope, we're, we're going to reset and we're going to reshuffle and we're going to go for something else. So then he turns those into the picks that become Tatum and Brown. But not only that, he knows damn well that the Lakers are taking Lonzo Ball. And he knows damn well that the Sixers are dead set on trying to get Markel Fultz as their centerpiece. So he turns around and he gets a pick that ends up, you know, getting another asset in here and still getting the guy that he wants and winning that deal. So it's it's the combination of understanding the landscape knowing who you're talking to, knowing what you're competing against, and then having the boldness to say, yeah, I am going to trade Antoine Walker. Yeah, I am going to trade Isaiah Thomas, even though that situation is bad, and make a, a big run at Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I am going to make that move for Paul Pierce, even though you know we're going to retire his number in a couple of years. This is about winning now. And, and so that combination of, of approach is what makes Danny Ainge Danny Ainge. Final thing. Uh, your reaction that the Utah Jazz are now being led in the basketball operations by Danny Ainge and what it, how you would sum up what that means for the Utah Jazz? Yeah, I mean, for the Utah Jazz, I think, it, like I said before, a fresh set of eyes, and especially a fresh set of eyes that belong to Danny Ainge, who has a long, long history of everything that I just said, that's going to be a very important set of eyes set onto this franchise because let's be honest the jazz are are a really really good team but they've had trouble getting over the hump and that's where danny ainge kind of comes in and says well here's why and and is willing to say whichever player it is and i won't name names because i'm not going to put anybody in that position but 
he'll say, this guy, yeah, he's been great, but either get him to play a certain way or consider a move and, and just kind of see, put the feelings out there of what, what he might get and, and how we might be able to readjust this team. I think Utah has done a great job adjusting to what they needed to adjust to to get themselves into this position to be one of the top teams in the West, one of the top teams in the NBA. Danny is going to, uh, I think, give them that little extra push to really consider some of the tough decisions that they might not want to make and maybe nobody in the, in the organization wants to make, but somebody from the outside is, is very willing to say, okay, yeah, here's what you need to do, and, and you know, we, we got to go pursue something difficult. John Krause, great perspective on a man who covered most of the years for John, Danny Ainge in Boston. Keep up the great work on Locked On Celtics. Thanks for joining us on this breaking news edition of Locked On Jazz. Thank you. Perfect. Appreciate you. Now I got to go be CEO. See you.